Okay. Two o'clock. Baby shower. Shower with gifts. Not actual cleaning event. Anyway, that was that was a terrible joke. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Uh, <laughs> um, I want to announce something really special and near and dear to me as a uh, redneck. Uh, next Sunday is annual camo Sunday, so wear your finest camouflage. Come on, somebody. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, we did it We did it last year, and it was fun because I think the, the Sunday before, uh, Pastor Scott was here, and he was like, man, that's awesome. I know I'm in North Louisiana when the church is announcing camo Sunday, so, so come on. Hey, brother, you already ahead of the game, too, so come on. I, I didn't see you back there at first until you moved. Oh, uh, no. Uh, so wear your, wear your finest camouflage. It's going to be exciting. It's something we like to do because, you know what, let's just let's have fun at church. Come on. Um, tonight, there will be a singing. So we're going to sing and elevate tonight and just worship together. That's going to be fun. So come and, and be a part of that. You can sing loud and proud. Don't even have to sing the words right. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'd be on a whole different song, you know. And so, but y'all just abide and y'all just praise with me. So, um, and then... Uh, something else, but I can't remember what it was. So um, check with me after. uh, Oh, here it is. Let me show you this thing. So last week we celebrated uh, our 75th anniversary and uh, the general council sent us a a plaque here and it's got the coolest. And I saw this and I thought, man, I want to steal that so bad. I want that to be my personal like notebook. But uh, if, if you want to check this thing out, if you want to look at it closer, just just come up here after church and check it out. But it's just it's it's an acknowledgement. Hey, 75 years of ministry. That's so exciting. Um, are there any 100 year churches in our district? Do, which who? You know who it is? supposed to be instant in season and out that's in the bible is it king's corner i couldn't remember if king's corner was 100 years or not and Brittany's like i britney's like jb i'm pretty sure we went to their celebration and i'm like well i just was there because it was an afterglow so you know i forgot what the <laughs> I, I forgot i forgot what the details were y'all because let me tell you about king's corner similar god they got some cooks down there so you know anybody from king's corner watching i'm just saying uh, <laughs> if you want to turn to Ephesians 4 with me, I want to, um, I'm, I'm, I don't plan on being very long this morning, uh, but I want to uh, conclude our series of messages um, looking at uh, something called kingdom culture. And we've been talking about what it means to be a person that's in the kingdom of God. And does does that mean that you live in a certain place? Does that mean that you uh, are are in in a certain location? No, not necessarily, because the kingdom of God, although the kingdom of God is referred to in the Bible as a place, the kingdom of God, when the Bible talks about kingdom of God, it's talking about a state of being more than a state of where you live, okay? And so when I say that you're a kingdom person, what do I mean by that? I mean that you have made a decision to fall under the rule and reign of Jesus in your life, okay? Let me say that again. 
When you are a kingdom person, when you say, I want to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, you submit to the rule and reign of Jesus as king over your life. And so I think it's really important, like when someone, when someone says, hey, pastor, how do I get saved? Um, I don't know if... I, I don't know if saved is the greatest word to use when we talk about salvation. Sure, you're saved from things, but guess what? You're still going to deal with problems, okay? If you were drowning and someone pulled you out, you'd be okay unless you jumped back in the water. But so I don't know if saved is the greatest word, but what, what we can say to somebody is how do you become a kingdom person? How do you become somebody that follows Jesus? And so that's what I like to say. You know, someone says, oh, you're a Christian. Yeah, I follow Jesus. Are you saved? I follow Jesus. Jesus. I follow him. I follow his word. And so when you, so that was week one, we talked about what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus as king over your life, over every part of your life. Come on. And even, even, even the things that, that, that hurt. Come on, we've got to give, we, we give God these, these things all the time. We, 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 we thank God for, for our good things. But I think we've got to make sure we give God the hurt things too, the things that mess us up. We've got to give those things to him as an, as an offering. God, I give these to you. Because I can't handle these. And you're a king that's not just... Do you know the, the first and last president that actually led troops into battle was George Washington? Who was also the first and last first president. Let me tell you something. The king that we serve does not make decisions from an office in Washington, D.C. and send people out to get killed. The king that we serve goes with. Okay, and he empowers to send, and his spirit goes with. Okay, so you never have to worry about, oh, well, I'm going to be lost out here on the fringes. You never have to worry about pushing too far into enemy territory, then being cut off because the king is always there with you. Come on. So let's look at Ephesians 4. So this week we're going to talk about the calling of the kingdom. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I encourage you to live as people worthy of the call you received from God. Conduct yourself with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Accept each other with love and make an effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit with the peace that ties you together. You are one body and one Spirit just as God just as God also called you in one hope, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. And I could keep going. Ephesians 4 is such a good chapter. There's so much meat there. There's so much to, you know, to apply to our, our, our kingdom, our, our Christian life. And so, listen, so we're called to this kingdom. And so Jesus, when, when Jesus arrived on the scene, there was a lot going on. The world was in a big mess. Uh, mankind had been fallen for 2,000 years or yeah, uh, for, uh, for, for longer than that, uh, for 4,000. So that mankind had been fallen for 4,000 years. We've been walking around looking for a hope and finding nothing. You ever, uh, guys, you'll get this. You, you ever go on like the 4th of July or on New Year's and you get, um, you get some firecrackers and you're like, dude, this is going to be awesome. 
Um, I introduced my son to those uh, this year. I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know if that was wisdom. We didn't pray about it before we did it. Uh, but we introduced Jonah to these little, uh, they used to call them black cats. They are something different now, but it just looks like a little tiny piece of dynamite. And at first he was scared, but then he thought it was awesome. Okay, and then he's like, let's do it again. And, you know, and so for a little boy, you get really excited, man, and you're putting them things in places they're not supposed to be. Uh, and, and anyway, and his dad's pretty mature, so I may have taught him some things I shouldn't have taught him that day. But there's nothing worse than you, you get ready to shoot off a, a bottle rocket or something, and you light it, and the fuse goes And then when it, right when it gets to the thing, and it's going to explode, it's going to shoot off, it just goes And you're like, what? What happened? And I was taught, Wendy's not here, but Wendy, Wendy taught me how to shoot off fireworks. And I was always taught that you just run up and just like punt the thing as hard as possible. Which is not, I don't know if that's wisdom. Because if you live in, in town, you're going to punt that over in somebody else's yard. It's going to go up in their garage. And if it wakes up and is resurrected to life and it goes off in their garage, they're going to call the cops on you. Okay, so, and then, but some people go crazy, man. They get a, a, a fire extinguisher, you know. But the, what the point I'm making is it's a real letdown when you get ready to shoot off these things and they just, it's a dud. So imagine, imagine these people, they thought that this king, they asked God for a king. They said, God, can we please have a king? And God said, you don't need a king. Y'all go read, go read the chapter where God describes why you don't want a politician running your country, and it will blow your mind. You'd be like, whoa, excuse me? Go read that. But God says, you don't want a king. He's going to raise your taxes. Oh, my. Somebody say, oh, me, oh, my. You don't want to, he says, you don't want a king who's going to do all these things. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna send your young men to war. He's going to do all these things that you're not going to like. He, God says, you don't need that. You don't want that. Well, the people said, yes, we do, God. You don't know. And so, and so they beg God for a king. So, so God answers them. He gives them a king in Saul. And what happens? We all know that story. Saul messes up big time. He messes up royally. He ends up being killed and displayed in a, in a horrible way by the Philistines. And so, what? That was a dud. Everyone was excited about Saul because he was handsome, because he was tall. They probably called him Tall Saul. I made that up. Listen, he was, he was handsome and all this stuff, and he was this warrior king, and they were excited. And then, pfft, a dud. So it happens again. You look at the Old Testament. You can read about all these kings that came, and the people thought, oh, this is it. This is going to be the one. This is going to be the one that restores the kingdom. And every last one of them was a dud in some way. Even David, even King David, the one that was a man after God's own heart, even he had those moments where he was a dud. And so I can imagine there's this, this hopelessness that creeps into this, this people group that maybe, maybe some of them stopped even looking for a Messiah. And so then all of a sudden, he shows up. All of a sudden, without, uh, without a lot of people even realizing the one 
arrives. The king arrives. And what does he do? He begins calling people to himself. He meets these, the people that come to be known as the disciples, and he calls them to himself as he walks, as he goes. And let me tell you something. Jesus calls you. Jesus calls us. There's a lot to that. There's a lot to that word calling. And we'll say this. It's kind of church language. But we'll say, you know, especially the young people, Pastor Jason, Pastor Monica, get this. We'll say, do you feel a calling on your life? to ministry. And at, at kids camp and at youth camp, we'll pray with kids and then we'll ask them. We get all the kids in the dorm at night after church and we say, hey, did anyone, and it's kind of funny because you'll say, did anyone get, get, get uh, saved for the first time? They'll raise their hand. And you'll say, did anyone rededicate their life? And they'll raise their hand. And you're like, wait a minute. And, uh, you know, and did anyone get baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time? They'll raise their hand. And you say, did anyone get rebaptized? And they'll raise their hand. But you'll ask these kids, and it's like, and, and, and they, this is the one where hands don't go up as much because they have to really understand. But you'll say, did any of you feel a calling on your life? After you heard this message, after you prayed, did you begin to feel a calling on your life? And usually it's the older kids, they'll raise their hand and say, yeah, I, f- I, felt, I felt something. And you'll talk to these young people and you'll say, what do you feel? And they'll say, I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me into missions or into uh, relief work or something like that. And so there is something to that. There's something to a calling. And I can tell you the exact moment that I began to feel a calling on my life to minister to young people. Listen, I was at, I was at a, a youth conference with my youth pastor, Jason Harris, and I was at the front, and I was going through a lot of ugly things in my life, and I was frustrated. And I thought, God can't use me. And just Jason just walks. He, I'm, I'm in a, a room full of hundreds of people. And Jason makes his way through the crowd, and he finds me. And he says, hey, I want to ask you a question. And I'm like, okay, it's really random. And he says, but do you, he said, do you want to preach? I'm like, what? I don't know how to preach. He says, I didn't ask you if you know how to preach. I asked you if if you want to. He said, do you feel called to ministry? And it broke me in half because I thought I've got this in my heart and I don't even know how to formulate it. But the Holy Spirit was calling me. Okay. And so I want you to understand something that God calls you. Each and every one is called by him. You are called by him. Is everyone called to be a pastor and lead a church? No. Is everyone called to be an evangelist? No. But everyone is called to be a kingdom person. Everyone is called to be a citizen of the kingdom. Jesus says, this is for you. I I am for you. So be praying about that. Pray about your calling. And it doesn't matter if you're old. It doesn't matter if you're young. God still calls his people. Amen? So... The second thing I want to talk about is that the kingdom, that kingdom culture is set apart. And I'm going to get a little preachy here. But Deuteronomy 7 says, Because you are a people holy to the Lord your God, the Lord your God chose you to be his own treasured people beyond all others on the fertile land. It was not because you were greater than all the other people that the Lord loved you and chose you. In fact, you were the smallest of peoples. No, it is because the Lord loved you and because he kept the solemn pledge he swore to your ancestors that the Lord brought you out of a strong, out with a strong hand and saved you from the house of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, Egypt's king. 
Know now then that the Lord your God is the only true God. He is the faithful God who keeps the covenant and proves loyal to everyone who loves him and keeps his commands, even to the thousandth generation. So listen, so this is talking to an ancient people. And right before these verses, do you know what he says? Do you know what he says? And this is kind of this is this is something that we've got to really get a hold of as a church today. Even though he's talking to an ancient people, I believe that this is relevant to us because I want to tell you something. You as a kingdom person are set apart. You as a kingdom person need to strive for holiness and you need to look for kingdom culture, not people culture. Come on. You need to look for kingdom culture, not community culture. I heard someone say that the United States is a country, and that's a community, and the culture of the community. Can I tell you something about culture of community versus kingdom? When we get away from kingdom culture, our church is not defined but deafened. Come on, somebody should have got excited on that. When, when the church gets away from kingdom culture, it starts to focus on community culture, saying and doing things that go against the gospel of Jesus Christ, that go against what this word says. Our purpose becomes blurred and our voice becomes muted. We are not defined by the culture of our community. Again, we are deafened by it. Right before these verses, this starts at this Deuteronomy 7 starts in 6, what I started reading. If you go back to the verses before that, verse 5 and 4, he talks about these people. He talks about sending his people to go destroy the idols and the temples and the pagan idolatry and worship that are around them. Let me tell you something. Church, if you don't start standing up for what is true and real, then you're going to forget what it even is. Let me get really real with you. Some of us with young kids, we think, oh, we'll protect our children. We'll make sure they go to Sunday school. Are you sure? Are you sure? I watched a commercial Anybody, there's something called the Met Gala. Anybody saw any pictures from that? I hope not, because it's just junk. Okay, good. But that, that went on. And what you've got is you've got men walking in completely dressed as women. You've got women walked in, walking in assuming the name and gender of men. Can I get really real for a little bit? Come on. Can I get really real? Let me tell you something. There is great, there's truth, okay? The church has got to preach truth. We've got to do it in a graceful way. Come on. Grace goes with truth. Truth goes, goes with grace. We've got to speak the truth. In a, in a nation that can't figure out its own identity, those of us who have identity in Christ have got to stand up as kingdom people and show them the way. Come on, can we get real? Can we get real? And so I, I, I saw these pictures of men walking in dressed as women and women walking in dressed as men. Come on, don't you know that things are beginning to get really messed up when people, uh, when, when they can't look at the identity that Jesus, that God gave them as he created them and they begin to do something different. That's really far away from the rule and reign of Jesus. 
that's really far away from the rule and reign that when you say, no, I was born a different way. Let me be really real. I love the people, I love people that are in trans community. I love people, that's what we do here. But just because we love someone does not mean that we can stop our message. Just because we love someone doesn't mean that we can take scissors and cut out pieces of this book. We've got to teach the truth. We've got to have that kingdom culture, not community culture. Okay? And so there's, I, I saw, uh, I thought, okay, well, you know, you can keep your kids away from this stuff, right? Let me tell you something. I saw a, an advertisement. It was for a phone. Who has a cell phone? Anybody? A couple of us? Cool. You remember flip phones? They're coming back, but they're touchscreen. The whole thing is touchscreen, and you can, you can flip a touchscreen. I don't, it, it doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. It's something else they can charge you money for. Um, and so there's, there's an advertisement for a cell phone, and it plays at movie theaters. And the advertisement opens up, and it's in a salon. And a man turns around, and he's got long fingernails and lipstick and long eyelashes and piercings, and he's covered in makeup. And he talks to another man, and he calls him honey and baby. And then they dance, and they grind on each other. This is a cell phone ad! Church, it's time to get with the kingdom culture. It's time to get with kingdom culture. Because that lie, that community culture is infectious. It is infectious. And there is a minority that's loud. Can I get really real? There's a minority that's loud, and they're going to tell your young people, teenagers, I know you guys face this stuff. You're being brought up with the idea that speaking the truth that hurts someone's feelings is a no-no. Let me tell you something. If you can read this and not get your feelings hurt, you need to check yourself. If you can read this and not get challenged and not get your feelings hurt and not change your life to mirror kingdom culture instead of community culture, then I will meet you right here at this altar because that's where you need to be. And it sounds like I'm mad. And I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated with our nation. I'm frustrated with our leaders for promoting this stuff. For, for promoting feelings over truth. We've got people that say, follow the science. What? Follow the science? Unless it goes against an agenda. Follow the science unless science tells me that the baby is alive inside of mama's tummy. Follow the science unless the science tells me that someone's born a certain gender. The way that you get away from this is you get in kingdom culture. And you own it. And you say, no, no, I am in this world, not of it. And I don't obey the ideas and the theories of the community I obey the call of the king. Come on, somebody. 
And it sounds like heavy preaching, and it is, because some of you are going to face situations in your lives where someone's going to call you out. Someone's going to call you out. You're going to get in trouble at work, and you're going to have to go to woke counseling. Let's be real. Let's be real. Young people, you're going to face these things, and you're going to have to make a decision. Am I just going to be quiet and go with the culture of the community? Or am I going to stand on truth and go with the culture of the king? I hope that you go with the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom is one of truth. The culture of the kingdom is one of life, is one of growth. And this leads into my third point today on kingdom culture, what it is. Kingdom culture is outward, never inward. Let me, let me clarify that statement. Do you work on yourself? Yeah, you do. You pray, you read, you do your best to get closer to Jesus, but our culture in the kingdom is outward. We don't ever shut the gates of the kingdom. We don't ever shut the gates of Christianity and say, we're full. Anybody try to go to Sonic this week? Can we pray? So like you go to Sonic and like, I'm going to be really honest with you, and you're going to be shocked, but I love breakfast burritos from Sonic. They are a blessing. And so you go there in the morning, and you're like, all right, I'm pulling up, and, and there's no one in the stalls. <laughs> yes, I'm the first one. Come on. You pull up in a stall. drive through only. Like, excuse me? I already parked. Put a cone out. And so you go around and say, all right, so they're only doing drive through today. And so let's say you go back later because hashtag happy hour drinks at Sonic, all right? You get, a, you get your nasty sugary drink half off. Um, and so you go back in the afternoon and you want to get a slushy. And so you think, all right, I've already been here once today, so I'll just pull up to the stall, right? Negative, chief. <laughs> So you pull up in the stall, or no, 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 I'll go through the drive-thru. So you go to the drive-thru, and no one's home, all right? You've got to go through the stalls now. It's confusing. I just need America back where Sonic was fully staffed. Come on. So listen, but listen, listen, the kingdom of God never closes. The shift manager never calls in sick. Come on. They're never, the kingdom of God is never understaffed. It's always, and it never goes away. The rule and reign of Jesus is here to stay. Listen, Matthew 10 says, Jesus sent these 12 out and commanded them, don't go among the Gentiles or, or into a Samaritan city. Go instead to the lost sheep the people of Israel. As you go make this announcement, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Listen to this. Listen to this, church. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those with skin diseases. And throw out demons. You received without having to pay. Therefore, give without demanding payment. I could go on. Because it also says when you come to, some, when you come to a new town, uh, go find someone who is worthy and stay at their house. But then I would try to justify that for the pastor coming and eating lunch at your house today. So we're not going to go that far into this, into this chapter. But listen, 
He says, go and do these things. Come on, kingdom culture is outward. Kingdom culture is one of doing. It is one of blessing. And so, yes, we stand on truth, but just because someone dwells in a falsity, just because someone clothes themselves with lies. Listen, when I was a teenager, I clothed myself with lies. I clothed myself with insecurities because every night I would lay in my room and listen to the voice of demonic spirits lie to me and tell me that I was a bad person and tell me that God had given up on me and tell me that I was lost and I would never be found. And so I would get wrapped up literally in those thoughts and in those lies. And just because you you see somebody that's wrapped up in a cloak of lies that has that shroud over their shoulders and they can't even stand up straight. Let me tell you something, Christian. If you have kingdom culture in your heart, then you're going to go to that person and you're going to begin to pull and tear and rip those nasty things off. Come on, somebody. Are you with me this morning? You're going to begin to pull those things apart to find the heart and the soul and the child of God that's buried underneath. That's kingdom culture. Kingdom culture does not look at someone's situation. It looks at their soul. And so, listen, we talk about truth, and we talk about how you better watch out, and you better be ready, and you better be grounded in in what you know about Jesus. But just because someone else is surrounded in lies doesn't mean that you need to hate that person. It doesn't mean that you need to think less of that person. It It means that you need to pray for them even more. When someone attacks, when someone accuses, you need to pray for that person and love that person even deeper because they need it. They need it. Come on, don't you know hurt people hurt people? Come on, let me say it again. Hurt people hurt people. And I I would bet that if you ever got bullied in, in school, that that bully probably had either been bullied at home or something like that, or they were hurting deeply. So what does Jesus teach us? Jesus, the one who our kingdom culture comes from, what does he teach us? What is his example? To love unconditionally. And I love the the mission statement of this church. Love big, number one. Love always, even when it doesn't make sense. Have you ever loved somebody when it doesn't make sense? Let me ask you this question. Has anyone ever loved you when it didn't make any sense? Ouch. When you were being a jerk, someone loved you. When you were making the same mistakes over and over, someone loved you through it because they had been loved through it before. And the third thing this church in our mission statement is love forward. I don't want to just love you where you're at. I want to love you and walk beside you towards Jesus. Continuously. No matter what what kind of road we face. I want to walk beside you towards him. So kingdom culture is outward. So Christian, Christ follower, make sure that you are overflowing. Make sure that you are overflowing because that is the culture of your king. Can we be real? Would you stand with me? You talk about this overflow. I don't know if there's a greater example than the king 
at his coronation ceremony, when they pressed that crown of thorns into his skull, when they beat him to where he was unrecognized. Can you imagine being his mother and seeing her baby boy up there? Wow. They beat him in such a way that the flesh hung like strips. The word overflow, think about that. They pierced him in such a way that the king, that the overflow was quite literal. We talk about the blood of Jesus. We sing the songs about being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. His sacrifice, his outpouring is what creates kingdom culture. And so I pray for an outpouring on my family. I pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, of anointing on this, on this house, on each one of you, because I want to walk in kingdom culture. I want to I understand that I'm set apart, that I've got to make an effort not to, not to rule myself, but to let him rule me. And I want to listen to that call of the Holy Spirit. Listen, he might call you to do something. You might be sitting in church and he might call you to do something. He might call you to prophesy. He might call you to lay hands on somebody that's sick. Jesus said, do these things. He said, do these things. Be known by those things. I want doctors calling you be like, hey, can you calm down? We're running out of business because you're healing folks. Come on, I could tell you a story about a Bible college that that actually happened to. But lastly, I want to be outward. Come on, I want the culture that's in my heart, the kingdom culture that's in this house to be outward. So I want to challenge you as we close. You could come up front, you could kneel at your seat, but let's just all find a place to pray. This is why we used to do this. I remember a pastor would say, you come to the altar, you can kneel where you're at, but let's just find a place to pray for just a few minutes. God, I want those three things. I want the culture of the kingdom. I want to hear your voice calling me. God, I want to walk set apart in holiness. God, walking towards you. And I want to have an overflow, God, of your love in my heart. I want to follow you, Jesus, and be outward, never inward. God, giving, never taking just like you did. So let's do that right now. I want to challenge you. Find a place to pray. You can stand. You can kneel at your seat. At these.